we are in the middle of what I hope is a very encouraging series where we are looking at some of the promises that God has made to us in the Old Testament, and we're seeing how he kept them all and how he fulfilled them through Jesus in the New Testament. Our theme scripture is from 2 Corinthians chapter 1, where we read, For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. Now, if you think about it, even when we do keep our promises, we don't always keep our promises with a resounding yes. I remember years ago that my kids, when they, my, my girls, when they were young, uh, they asked me to take them to McDonald's, which they loved and I hate. Now, if you work at McDonald's, I'm not putting you down. If you love McDonald's, that's fine, but it's not my favorite place to eat. And so they asked me, would I take them to McDonald's? And I made excuses, honestly. I just made up an excuse on the spot why we needed to go to a different fast food restaurant. And they seemed really disappointed. And I said, we can go to McDonald's next time. And what I meant by that when I said we can go to McDonald's next time is the next time you are with your mom and she's taking you to lunch, you can go to McDonald's. That's what I really meant by that. But they looked disappointed and they looked doubtful. And so they responded by saying, do you promise we can go to McDonald's the next time? Now I was kind of trapped. And so I promised and I hoped that they would forget. You know, I hoped that by the time it got around to keeping that promise that their mom would have taken them to McDonald's the day before or that they would have awakened to the fact that McDonald's isn't that great of a place to go. But I hoped that I would never have to keep that promise. But it was the very next day, the very next day, circumstances happened that we needed to go out to eat again. And they said, we're going to McDonald's, right? You promised. And so I kept my promise with a resounding, I guess. It definitely wasn't a resounding yes. It was a resounding, I guess. But this series is about the fact that God always keeps his promises. And he does it not begrudgingly. He does it not casually. He keeps his promises enthusiastically through Jesus with a resounding yes, with an enthusiastic yes. And we've already looked at God's promise to always be with us. And we've looked at his promise to hear us and to answer us. And today, we want to look at his promise, I will give you rest. I will give you rest. And we really wanted you to experience this. And so I arranged for you to have an extra hour of sleep last night. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> now, me speaking on rest is kind of like asking the Cleveland Browns advice for how to get to a Super Bowl. I don't have a lot of firsthand experience in this area. It's an area I still struggle with. I tend to fill my schedule uh, completely full 
and I'm just not that great at resting. Even on vacation, I tend to be the itinerary person in our relationship. Do you have one of those in your house? You know, it's my job when we're planning a vacation to make sure that we don't miss any of the significant sites that we're going to see or even pass within 100 miles of on the way there, you know. And so, you know, we got to leave the hotel room at exactly 8.20 so that we can be to this first one. And, you know, and we got to leave there at 10.10 so that we can get to the next, you know. I'm the itinerary guy. Um, My wife's not fond of that about me. But I'm trying to be better. And we have had several vacations where we just sit around on the beach or we sit next to a pool at a hotel or a rented condo and honestly even there I tend to spend too much time checking emails or planning upcoming messages does anyone else have trouble resting I mean there's so much to do that you're just in constant motion all day long and uh You're trying to get it all done at work, and then you're squeezing in the chores at home. And even when you lay down and you try to sleep at night, your brain is moving 100 miles a minute, making lists of what you have to do the next day. And I'm guessing I'm not the only one who struggles with claiming and living out God's promise that he will give us rest. So today, let's learn this together as fellow strugglers. Let's learn this together. One of the most well-known passages where God promises to give us rest is Psalm 23. There we read, the Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. He lets me rest in green pastures. He leads me to calm waters. He gives me new strength. The picture is of total rest and total relaxation. Lying in green grass next to a calm lake or calm waters. And uh, doesn't that sound wonderful? Doesn't that sound restful? But notice the last part. While we are resting, God is renewing our strength. He's renewing our strength. And that's the problem that occurs when we don't ever rest. You see, our strength just becomes depleted. And God gives us rest so that he can renew and replenish our strength. Another place where God seems to promise and encourage our rest is in Psalm 46. And with just a few words, he gives us an important instruction. Look at what the first part of Psalm 46 verse 10 says. God says, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Our failure to follow this verse may say volumes about the fact that our lives are so rushed and so busy And so out of control. You see, when I am moving at a frantic pace, I begin to think that it all depends on me. I begin to think that I have to do it all. I forget that he is in control, that he can take care of the problems that I have. And I just need to be still to rest long enough to focus again on the fact that he is God and I am not. He's God and I'm not, that he can handle this, that he can help me. But God's promise of rest isn't just contained in the book of Psalms in the Old Testament. Jesus repeats God's promise, and he gives us, uh, he repeats the promise to give us rest in some very comforting verses. And I want to focus on those verses for the rest of our time today. The passage is found 
in Matthew chapter 11, if you have your Bible and want to open there, or it'll be on the screen or in your notes. And in this passage, it gives us several instructions to follow if we want to experience true rest. First, notice, Jesus fulfills God's promise and gives us rest when we come to him. When we come to him. Here's what verse 28 of Matthew 11 says. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. So to experience real rest, I need to come to Jesus. I need to come to Jesus. Now, that phrase, come to Jesus, has become a trite expression in our modern conversations today. The Urban Dictionary says a come-to-Jesus moment originally meant an emotional experience that is life-changing, but it has evolved to mean, quote, a serious argument, one that better result in change of action or else. You hear people say, I had a come-to-Jesus meeting with one of my employees, and what they mean by that is the employee better shape up or they're going to lose their job. But Jesus isn't using it that way. He is using it with the original meaning, an emotional experience that's life-changing. Jesus says, if you need rest, come to me. He is saying true rest is found in him because he is our rest. He is our rest. Now, that's part of the problem. When we're stressed... When we're stressed out and we need solutions or we just need relief for the stress that we feel, we usually go everywhere else and to everyone else other than Jesus. I mean, we try to find a book on the subject or a popular speaker or a fitness plan or a financial plan that will give us ways to reduce our stress or organize our life or draw boundaries or fix our problems. But Jesus' first instruction is this. If you are weary and burdened, come to me and I will give you rest. He is our rest. Notice his invitation is to a person, not a program. His invitation is to a person he doesn't say if you need rest go to the gym more or go on vacation more he doesn't even say if you need rest go to church more or read your bible more or pray more all of these things that i mentioned might be good things that would help in other areas of your life but when it comes to rest he doesn't invite us to more activity because we're already overly involved in activity we're already running from from one really good thing to the next really good activity. And Jesus said, enough. Enough. Just come to me. All of you who are weary, come to me. All of you who are burdened, come to me. And I will give you rest. So are you feeling weary? Maybe you're exhausted from the stress of trying to meet all of those expectations of your job or maybe you're exhausted because you've been trying to figure out how to fix your marriage or to deal with a rebellious child or you're exhausted trying to figure out how to stretch the dollars to meet the financial commitments you've made and Jesus wants to give you rest and to experience real rest Jesus says 
come to me. Come to me. So let's take a quiet moment and let's do that now. Shall we just close your eyes for a moment and in your own way silently say, Jesus, I'm coming to you right now. Tell him what's stressing you out and exhausting you. Now ask him for rest. Lord, even in these quiet moments, it's so hard for us to keep our mind focused. Father, we just come to Jesus right now. We just want to be still. We want you to know what's stressing us out, but then we want you to give us rest. We thank you, Father, for keeping that promise to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, most of you already know that those few quiet moments didn't fix all of the problems that you're stressed about. Those few quiet moments didn't fix it all, did it? But I expect you might be a little more calm. You might have just a tad more peace that you may feel just a little more restful right now. But please understand, you need more than just the moment that we just experienced together. You need to take a longer time to just be still. You need to do it more consistently. And it can be when you're laying down to sleep each night. It can be when you're sitting quietly in a park. It can be while you're driving your car. Just don't close your eyes. Wherever it is, say, Jesus, I'm coming to you. Here's what's stressing me out. And I just need rest from you. And then just be quiet. Just be quiet. Let him minister to you. And during the quiet time you spend listening, he may give you a thought of how to fix one of the things that you're stressed about. Or he may just give you rest and peace right in the middle of the turmoil of your life, the chaos of your life, but he will give you rest. Let's look at Jesus' second instruction. Jesus fulfills God's promise and gives us rest when we walk with him. When we walk with him. Look back at the passage from Matthew chapter 11. Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus uses an illustration here that many of us won't understand at all. It is from the culture of his day. It's from an agricultural culture. And he says, take my yoke upon you. And many of you, when you hear the word yoke, you think of eggs. And you don't really know what a yoke is, so I have pictures the pictures up there will show you. A yoke was a device made of wood that would connect two animals. And you could see that it would sit on the neck of the cattle or the oxen and uh, then have a device that would go around their necks. And connecting two animals in this way 
would harness more power. It would allow them to handle much larger loads than either of them could handle alone. It would allow them to uh, handle much heavier burdens together. So Jesus says, if we're tired and burdened, we should put on his yoke. What does that mean? Well, it means he is going to shoulder our burden, that he's going to help us carry our heavy load. It means with his help, we can handle the burden that just seems too much for us to deal with by ourselves. Have you ever had one of those moments in your life when you just felt crushed by all the things you had to do? You just felt overwhelmed and crushed by the burden that you were carrying. I can remember many times in my life that were that way, but I remember... About nine years ago, nine and a half years ago, when my mom was really struggling with end-staged breast cancer, and I needed to go and help my dad and my sister care for her, but at the same moment, I was unemployed, and I needed to find a job so that I could take care of my family, and I was struggling personally with a huge hurt that had been inflicted by a friend, and I just felt totally crushed by the weight of what I was trying to carry. And I'll be honest, right now has been like that for most of our staff and elders. There have been so many details that have to come together for our our church to complete this move. And we're trying to continue all of our normal ministries and we're trying to fill a staff vacancy and our children's ministry. And we're trying to deal with people who are hurting and struggling and we're trying to make our limited finances work in the midst of all of this and it just seems like the burden's pretty heavy sometimes and I'm sure you've had some of those moments in your life too haven't you some of those moments where you just felt crushed well to all of us Jesus says don't try to carry that load alone Don't try to carry that burden alone. Take my yoke upon you. Let me carry that load for you. You don't have to do it alone. And taking his yoke means more than just sharing the burden with him. It means Jesus is going to walk beside us each step of the way. In fact, he will lead us in the right way, in the way that we should go. Taking his yoke means we're connected to him and that we're walking with him. It means he is with us and he is helping us each step along the way. Now, some of you are thinking, if he is with me, if he's helping me carry the load, why are things still so hard? Why are there so many hurts and problems that still exist in my life? Why is the pressure still really strong and hard to bear? Well, it might be because you misunderstood what Jesus is promising. You see, He did not promise that the load would get lighter, just that he would help you carry it, just that he would help you deal with it. In fact, as we already have seen in this series, Jesus promises that things will be tough. He will be with us. He'll help us in the midst of the tough times. But that doesn't mean the problems just magically disappear. Walking with him means that He will help us respond in the right way even during difficult circumstances. Look at this verse from 1 Peter chapter 2. For God called you to do good even if it means suffering just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example and you must follow in his steps. Jesus is our example, and he will help us if we'll just walk with him, if we'll just walk in his steps. But, you know, too often, when we're stressed, 
We don't want to follow Jesus' example. We don't want to walk in his steps. We want to keep control, and we think that we know the right way to go. We really think that we have the right path for our life. When you think about it, this whole picture of being yoked is a pretty uncomfortable thing. Being tied to someone in that way, I mean, that has to be pretty uncomfortable for animals when they're yoked together, don't you think? I mean, they're used to running free and going their own way, but when they're yoked together, if they try to pull and go a different direction, I'm sure that the yoke brushes against them, rubs against them, and irritates it, and probably it rubs them the wrong way. Can we admit that sometimes walking with Jesus and following him rubs us the wrong way? It just rubs us the wrong way. I mean, it can be uncomfortable sometimes for us, and that's why we often end up carrying our burden alone and going the way that seems best to us. And that leads us to Jesus' last instruction for finding real rest. Jesus says, learn from him. Learn from him. Look again at the passage. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He says, if we want to find rest, we need to learn from him. Let's spend a few minutes thinking through what learning from him means. First, it means we learn to do life his way. We learn to do life his way. And this is not a lesson that we can learn until we begin to admit that our way isn't working. Our way isn't working. And the problem is, we really do think we know the right way to do life. We think we're so in tune with ourselves that we know what's right for us. And quite often, we don't think that God's way is the best way. And so we take what we believe to be shortcuts. We think our situation is different. Now, God's uh, instructions are true for everybody else, but our situation is just so different. And uh, God, uh, God's instructions really don't apply to me. And so we do it our way because we think God will understand our circumstances and give us a pass on doing it his way. But doing, our, doing life our way is exhausting and it's robbing us of rest. It's robbing us of the peace that God wants to give to us. And if you're wondering why your relationships are so exhausting and such a mess, ask yourself, am I doing it God's way or my way? Am I doing it God's way or my way? I mean, if you've decided to cut corners on what God teaches about sexuality or what God teaches about forgiving or what God teaches about believing the best about a person that you love, if in any area of your relationships you've decided that you can ignore some of his principles and somehow be okay, it's no wonder it seems exhausting. You haven't learned from Jesus. You aren't doing it his way. Let's look at a different area. Maybe you're wondering why your finances are a mess and so exhausting, but you aren't giving the way that he teaches and you aren't trusting him in that area of finances and doing finances your way will always be exhausting. It will always be exhausting. And maybe you've decided doing it God's way and telling the truth in certain situations just makes things worse. 
You think that there really are situations where it's better to lie. And so you've lied. And then you have to lie again to cover up that lie. And pretty soon you have this whole web of lies and you have to keep a mental catalog of who you've told which lie to. And there's no rest in that, is there? It's just exhausting. As complicated as life may become, being a fully devoted follower of Jesus at the very core simply means walking with Jesus in the real world of our daily life and having him teach us moment by moment how to do life his way. How to do life his way. The second thing learning from him means is life-changing when you really embrace the truth of it. Here's the second thing. We learn doing life his way is the easy way. Doing life his way is the easy way. Did you notice Jesus' language? He says he is gentle and humble in heart. That his yoke is easy. That his load is light. I really do believe that doing life Jesus' way is the easiest way. That it is a much heavier burden to live life our way than to live life his way. And when will we learn that God's rules are there for us? God's rules aren't there because he's on some power trip. It's not like God sat up in heaven and said, you know what, I'd better set some things out as sins and these big rules just so people will remember I'm in charge, that I have the power. That's not why God said certain things are sin. And it wasn't just to spoil our fun. It wasn't that he sat up in heaven and said, you know, they're going to have too much fun if they do these things, and so I'm going to make it a sin for them to do that so that I can spoil their fun. That's not the reason for God's rules. The reason for God's rules is because they're, uh, they are there to save us heartache. They are there to save us hurt. They are there to keep us from being stressed. I don't think that you can point out to me anybody whose life is better because they did life their way instead of God's way. Oh, they may have avoided a confrontation or a uncomfortable moment for a time, but eventually it catches up to them. But all of God's rules are there because to avoid God's rules means that you inflict pain on yourself or you inflict pain on someone else. When we sin, we inflict pain on ourselves, or we inflict pain on someone else. Have you thought about the ripple effect of sin? You can do this with just about any sin, but I can think of a couple who got divorced. They were really struggling, and one of them just wasn't willing to do the hard work of getting counseling and finding a way to fix their relationship and I remember one of them telling me that they literally breathed a sigh of relief when the divorce was final. But there was a ripple effect. Their kids struggled greatly in many areas, and without meaning to, they taught their kids that divorce is an easy way to solve problems in the future. Now, sometimes divorce has to happen. I get that. There are some circumstances where it has to happen, but the reason that the Bible says that God hates divorce is because it hurts the people he loves. 
Divorce inflicts pain on people God loves, and he doesn't hate people who are divorced. He hates the pain that it, that it inflicts. He hates the ripple effect of continuing pain, and no one is better off because they did things their own way. Doing life Jesus' way really is the easiest way, the lightest burden in the long run. Just as he promises, his way is easy and his burden is light because his way really is the best way for us to go. But we still struggle thinking that we know the best road for us to take. And that's nothing new, by the way. Look at this passage from Jeremiah chapter 6. This is what the Lord says. Stop at the crossroads and look around. Ask for the old godly way and walk in it. Travel its path and you will find rest for your souls. But you reply, no, that's not the road we want. Some things never change, do they? God says it's the old godly road that we should take. It's the old godly way that you should be walking in. And when you travel that path, then you're going to find rest for your soul. But we often, like the people Jeremiah was writing to over 3, 000, almost 3,000 years ago, say, no, that's not the road. That's not the right road for me. It might be the right road for you, but that's not the right road for me. And that decision robs us of rest. That decision robs us of rest. Before we close, I want to make sure you noticed a phrase that both Jesus and Jeremiah used. Notice the repeated phrase, rest for your souls. Rest for your souls. What does that mean? Just what does it mean to have rest for your souls? I mean, many times... We focus on rest for our bodies. But rest for our bodies doesn't work unless we also have rest for our souls. Have you ever known somebody who was severely depressed? Maybe you've gone through bouts of severe depression at times. I think we all have gone through some struggles, but maybe you know somebody who's been severely depressed or you've been severely depressed. And many times people who are severely depressed spend all of their time sleeping. They're sleeping a lot. They spend lots of time in bed or on the couch, and you would think that they have plenty of rest, but ask yourself the next time you're depressed and you sleep more than normal, ask yourself when you wake up, do you feel rested? I guarantee you, you won't. I guarantee you that if you go and talk to that person that you know who is severely depressed and constantly sleeping, you ask them, do you feel rested? I guarantee you they'll feel anything but rested. Do you know why? They don't just need rest for their body. They need rest for their soul. They need something to help their mind quit playing that tape of hurtful words over and over. They need something to help them deal with the worry that has overwhelmed them. They need something to help them deal with the responsibilities that are weighing them down. They need rest, maybe rest for their body, but definitely rest for their souls. Rest for their soul is an inner peace, an inner rest, even in the midst of a world of turmoil. And notice the path to rest for the soul is a person. It's a person. It's not a program. 
It's not finding the right combination or boundary or activity. Jesus says clearly, true rest comes from a relationship with him. And it comes from a relationship with him. He says, when you're burdened, when you're weary, come to me and walk with me and learn from me. Real rest is found in Jesus. God keeps his promise to give us rest through Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, in this room right now, there are people who are struggling to overcome the hurt in their heart, the frantic franticness of their heart. There are people, Father, who desperately need your rest. So, Father, I pray that you will help each one of us to come to Jesus, to just come to him and be quiet so that Jesus can minister to our hearts. Father, we pray that you will help us to quit thinking we know the right road and help us to walk with Jesus. Let him shoulder our burdens and show us the right way to go. And then, Father, don't let us just merely hear this message, but help us to learn from Jesus to do what he asks us to do. Father, would you help us to see that we need to do life your way and that doing, your li doing life your way is the best way. That your burden is light, your yoke is easy compared to the difficulties of our solutions. And so, Father, right now, we thank you so much for the fact that you always keep your promise. We thank you, Father, for your promise of rest when we come to Jesus and have a real relationship with him. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.